0: Welcome back to another episode of happy to meet cute this is Fallon Ballard here with my I was gonna try to think of a good word for redhead but I can't <laughs> I was like I know there is one but I can't but anyway my stunning <laughs> brand new redhead of a co-host Courtney K. <laughs>
1: The fabulous Fallon Ballard. I love how, um, remember when we used to try to use different adjectives for each yeah, other every time? And then I our can. brains were like, this is too much. So I am intrepid and you are fabulous. And I feel like that has stuck.
0: That works. We can stick with that.
1: <laughs> I love it so much. And yes, I have dyed my hair.
0: <laughs> and it looks amazing. I'm obsessed with it. Thank you. So I, good.
1: I'm having a lot of fun with it. I was, before we logged on, um, we were talking about how hair is like, can affect you so much emotionally. It's kind of wild.
0: Totally. Yeah. Like I'm at that point now where like I need a haircut um, because it's getting very long, but I. It's beautiful. Just don't want to. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't do like trims. Like I, because I don't cut my hair that often. So when I cut it, I like. I chop it. Mm -hmm. And I just, am like, not emotionally prepared for (laughs) that.
1: Take your time. Take all the time you need. My sister is a hairstylist and um, Mm. I'm very lucky. So yes, (laughs) but she is like her salons, maybe an hour away. And I, she doesn't charge me. Like she won't accept my money. So my form of payment is then I take her out to eat afterwards. Yeah. Um, but I always feel bad because I'm taking like her space, her client space, you know, and so I never want to go too often. So I go about once a year as well, but, um, she like lightened my blonde last time we went, she gave me some brighter highlights. And so now I, this is like a wash and shampoo, like copper and, um, <clears throat> the blonde soaked it right up. Oh Yeah. <laughs> When I first did it, it was neon orange because, like, the more washes you do of the shampoo, it gets more rich. Yeah. Um, but it was literally, it. I looked like that uh, neon orange spray paint, like on construction <laughs> sites.
2: And I, I went. look
0: cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It was funny though because I went and, um, of course, it was the. Day that I was picking up my daughter from junior high for the first time, oh, no. and I was like, "Cool, I'm gonna wait in the car because I dyed it while she was at school."
0: She's like, "What the heck, mom? I've been in school for one day. It's this day is... at this time. Why?" She's like, "I can't leave you alone for a single minute."
1: So I didn't want to mortify her and pick up, so I stayed in the car. That's hilarious! Oh god, I the adventures that. of parenting.
0: <laughs> oh good, how times. are you? I'm good. I'm just uh trying to make a million lists so that I do not forget anything for Steamy Lit, which actually, Steamy. as this is launching, it's like tomorrow. Just... So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, I just am like trying to organize my stuff. I have so much swag to get rid of I have new bookmarks that I ordered that I don't love but I ordered like 2,000 of them so they're coming
1: that's how I feel about my bookmarks that I have like 2,000 of they're like I'm not I
0: I know the front of mine is cute but the back is just like Mm-hmm. so we just won't pay attention to the back <laughs>
1: well for the record I your bookmarks are freaking adorable um but I know we're all more critical of our own swag than
0: yeah and it's more so people. just like the way that it printed looks weird oh. I should have gotten like a sample first that's my bad I uh I just mm-hmm. kind of went with it and <laughs> I was like oh that's not how I <laughs> thought it was gonna be but it's fine totally fine they're getting distributed yeah they're gonna be adorable
1: (laughs) and I definitely want one um so I ordered like I got this wild hair (laughs) 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 before I actually dyed my hair a wild color um I ordered a ton of like stickers that I made on canva and I am obsessed with them I love them and I don't think they're gonna be here in time. Oh no. I'm so sad. Oh. So I don't know what to do now because this is like the last big event really yeah. and of the year. And so I don't know. Maybe I'll just do like a holiday mailing thing, but I'm so sad.
0: Well, <laughs> fingers too- crossed. I know fingers, fingers crossed. crossed. Maybe they'll get here. Um how are you feeling coming off of your launch and summer book fest we're to that point where like it's starting to sink in that it's done <laughs> how's it yeah, going
1: summer book fest man that was intense as far as like from a planning standpoint yeah the people were absolutely incredible um the experience was awesome but i i don't know like would you being an author would you do it again? Like, would you do a big event like that, planning oh, yeah. it yourself again? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's easy for me to say because you did most of the work for <laughs> this one. But like, I like, I know that people were sort of joking, but not and being like, so this is going to be like an annual thing, right? And in my mind, the whole time I was like, yeah, I feel like this has to be like an yeah. annual thing. It was, and cool. I think maybe we just do it in different places each year. I agree. Um, you know, switch it up a little bit. But um, I had an amazing weekend. So
1: yeah, it was amazing. And I learned a lot to, on how to um, like start earlier mm-hmm. the planning. Because yeah. what happened this time is it was just such like a fluke thing that came about. That yeah. It was like, the more it went on, I had to just like lean into it because I was like, oh, this is, this is happening. (laughs) So, um, it felt like scrambling a little bit at the end because of that, because it, um, it was a whole learning experience. Yeah. So now I feel like it was just, we have so much knowledge moving forward.
0: So that's cool. Yeah. Also, I was gone for the 10 days leading up to it, which scheduling wise, I don't think we would do again in the future, just because there's so much that I could have taken off your plate in those last 10 days, you know, if we both had been around to be able to do that stuff, because we didn't really know, you know, what we were going to need until it was like, oh, we need this.
1: Oh, exactly. And we didn't really know like the scope of it. Like, yeah, it was kind of like... Oh, we have this idea and then we planned as much as we could, but then once it came like the 2 weeks, yeah, leading up to it, it was like, "Oh, we need like once we got in the space, like when I got in the space and could feel out what they needed, I was like ordering things last minute." And yeah. then it was like, "Okay, well, we should have a moderator meeting." And we had that maybe a few weeks out. Yeah. But then like getting all the questions together and then boom, like getting those to the panelists like I would do that much earlier next time because it was just something I was like oh we we should do this but it happened so (laughs) last
0: right yeah well yeah and again it's like one of those things where you don't really know until you know totally um but I would say like really truly as somebody who works events on a very regular basis like everything went so smoothly. Like, I just kept waiting for there to be that moment of like, oh, shit, we majorly (laughs) dropped the ball and like forgot this huge thing. And that just never happened. Um, And that's a testament to your planning, because it really went very, very smoothly, considering how many authors we had, how many people we had coming in and out of the room every day. Like, everything went pretty much without a hitch.
1: I feel like the major things like, you know, the foundation of the event was really solid and that was excellent it was more like the smaller details of like emails and graphics and things that I could do sooner next time
0: yeah so yeah Yeah. and now we know for the future now we know now we know what to do (laughs) um so are you feeling good post launch have you hit the blues section yet (laughs) I feel like I know I was telling you I think
1: like the hair has helped with the blues. Like I love it. Just doing something kind of funky. Uh, I don't know. Hair's funny that way. But uh, I don't know. I'm fine. I think it's it's different this time because it feels like so much the end of an era.
0: <laughs> yeah. Very dramatic yeah. to say. No, but that's true. Yeah.
1: But Fern Falls, it was like I lived in it for a few years now. And it's like, okay, yeah. I'm moving on. And it's kind of sad. Like I left it open to go back, but I'm ready to tackle something new. And, and I'm not contracted yet. So it's like,
0: yeah,
1: I want to enjoy this space of having that freedom to create. But I also am kind of like, well, I don't want to take five years. <laughs> like, yeah, I need some well, that's sort of deadline. And It's a weird kind of in-between feeling, which is good, and I'm trying to embrace it. Um, But it's almost like, okay, well, how much time do you take to rest and how much time? I don't know. I don't know. Because I I worry, too, that if I just, like, okay, well, not doing anything, I'll just be like, never do anything again.
0: (laughs) no you'll get the itch i mean i know just from talking to you that you're excited about your new idea and i think everything has just been such a rush like with launch and with book fest and then steamy lit coming up and i think once you're done with steamy lit and like that is sort of like closes the door (laughs) on the summer of madness you know like (laughs) your brain is gonna get that like oh okay it's time to get back to creating
1: oh i love that yeah yeah
0: oh speaking of so if you're listening to this before steamy lit if you come and see me and courtney where our tables are right next to each other during the signing windows and you tell us our favorite phrase then we'll have a little gift for you we don't have that many so you gotta get there quick and get there early but we made something for you
1: oh that's so exciting
0: so exciting and our guest today is actually also going to be at steamy lit you can see her um she is doing uh what was her panel the diversity diversity Diversity. and romance
1: yes yeah
0: meredith yeah and (laughs) she'll of course be there for all the signings um and yeah we had a really great chat with her um about all kinds of things so we will be right back with meredith Shore hi
1: everyone welcome back to happy to meet cute uh courtney here with my incredible co-host fallon ballard and today we are absolutely delighted to be joined by the meredith shore meredith was born and bred is a born and bred new yorker and lifelong daydreamer meredith shore field her passion for writing everything from restaurant reviews, original birthday cards, and even work-related emails into a career-penning romantic comedies. When she's not writing books filled with grand gestures and hard-earned happily ever afters, or working as a trademark paralegal, she's most often reading, running, or watching TV. For research, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Meredith, welcome. Hey. Thanks for being Hi. here. Thank you
2: so much for having me on here. Oh, uh, we've
1: been looking forward to it. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well. I mean, the uh, week after pub date is always a little uh, wild, but, um, and also a little bit of highs and lows, you know, it happens and you're really, really excited and then it's over and you have to wait like a year before it happens again. So that's kind of hard to, I mean, you must know what that feels like. Yes. Congratulations to you too, because we shared a pub date, Courtney. We did, that was so
1: nice. Especially because we uh, debuted around the same time as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Yes, we have talked with a lot of friends about this sort of like downward slide that happens. Like as you get further away from your actual pub date and how we need to like have some sort of like retreat or camp or like a private island where authors can just go and like be like, don't talk to me about sales. I don't want anybody to ask me how my book is doing. Like, oh my just God. leave me alone.
2: That would be great. I mean, if you've ever watched survivor after they get kicked off the island, they get to go someplace else. They don't have to go straight yes. home. So well, we shouldn't have to go back to our normal <laughs> lives. Like right after pub date either.
0: Oh my God. That's amazing. That's what we need. That was we the, need to uh... just go sit in a hotel and eat cheeseburgers in our pajamas. Oh
2: my God.
1: <laughs> yes. yes. Drink some margaritas yes <laughs> oh my god um I'll never forget I don't remember what movie this is oh it was Tina Fey in Date Night so she made this big confession to Steve Carell her spouse in the movie and she was like you know sometimes I'll go check into a hotel and I'll just eat a cheeseburger and drink Diet Coke <laughs> I'm like that sounds amazing and that should be every uh post pub
0: celebration <laughs> absolutely you need that you can make a lot of money whoever wants to invest in that
1: <laughs> and make that happen <laughs> i think that was the uh ava wilder episode when she was like i think we called it scream into the void island
0: <laughs> yes. love that i want to
2: go yeah whatever yeah. it is whenever it's created please sign
0: yeah. us up um, well, on that note, can you please tell us about your amazing, adorable book? I read it while I was on my vacation, and it was like the perfect little vacation read. Um, so, tell us all about someone just like you.
2: Sure, uh, someone just like you is an um, an, ch- an enemy since childhood, opposites to, tra- to lovers. I forgot the whole lovers part. To opposites <laughs> attract, forced proximity rom com set in Manhattan about two former neighbors and rivals who now at 27 are forced together to help plan the uh, co-surprise anniversary party for both sets of their parents who are best friends. So that's like the basic gist of it. But as they plan this party, they revert to their like immature, hateful selves and they do everything except plan the surprise party until they finally kind of set aside their differences And surprising them both, they become friends with um, lots of sexual tension in there. (laughs) And then they turn up at the surprise party with each other's doppelganger, where it's revealed that they've each been dating a version of each other's doppelganger for like the past decade. And everybody knew about it except for them.
0: I just loved that twist so much because I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in a book. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is so brilliant where this whole time you've basically been like dating these poor substitutes for each
2: other. It was just so fun to read. I loved that twist. I'm so glad I actually came up with a twisted connection with a different novel. Um, I was going, the novel that got me my agent. We did on sub and it went through one round and it didn't sell. And like all of the rejections, they were never like, I hated this book or this book, you know, like sucked or whatever. It was all like, I really liked it, but it's not big enough. We don't know how to break this out, blah, blah, blah. So my agent was like, before a second round, maybe we can come up with, you know, a little twist to just kind of like add some pizzazz to it. And I was watching Friends and there's an episode called The One with Russ where Rachel and Ross have uh-huh. broken up for like the millionth time and Rachel shows up at the cafe with a guy who looks like Ross and what like dresses like Ross and talks like Ross his name is Russ and every like, all the friends are like do you not see this how do you not see this and so i was like maybe we can add a twist where the couple you know show up somewhere with each other's like Doppelganger And then my agent was like, that's a really funny idea, but I think it should stand on its own or it could stand on its own. So we didn't do it. And I started writing a scene on TV. That book didn't sell, spoiler alert. Um, I started writing a scene on TV and I just tucked it away and brought it back for the next book.
0: I love that. That's genius. (laughs) Thank you. See, writing TV is or watching TV is worthwhile and totally educational and worth it. Mm -hmm. so right your streaming
1: services
0: yes absolutely do that for sure that's that's a serious bit of advice that's not a joke you should absolutely do that yeah i don't think i have but i think i'm going to (laughs) you can and you should it's the best (laughs) it is it's all research like i always find that when i'm watching different movies or different tv shows there's just like little nuggets and kernels of inspiration that you find along the way and they're just Lead to some really good ideas.
2: Totally, mm-hmm. actually, I think I might have. I'll have to ask my accountant, but it's it's so true. Yeah, perfect inspiration. Sometimes. Yeah, all the time. Like if
1: I need to just replenish, refill the well, I'll just watch TV, and it's amazing <laughs> how many ideas will just pop out of different things that I watch. Yeah. Um, almost more like obviously you have to read widely and read in your genre, but watching TV, it's like almost a condensed version of inspiration.
2: And I feel like I would never want to, I mean, I'm inspired by other people's writing, but I'm always afraid that I'll take something, you know, unintentionally. And I feel like with TV. So yeah, (laughs) I got that from friends, you know, big deal. Like no one's going to care. But if I got that from like, you know, um, somebody's book. Yeah. Not, not cool at all.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's something about the different medium that like my brain connects with like if i'm reading the words on a page i get too invested in like each word mm-hmm. but like from a show i can just latch onto a certain concept and then like you did like you could build a whole premise out of that
0: one mm-hmm. nugget <laughs> yep yeah that's super cool um so is there anything else that sort of like inspired uh, like, how did you come up with this idea of them being like these sort of like childhood rivals? Because that was really fun to read about with them pranking each other all the time.
2: Love. That um, That actually came from my life. I am the youngest <laughs> of three girls. I'm not Molly, but I'm the youngest of three girls. And we lived across the street from a family that also had three kids. And our parents were best friends. And the youngest sibling on the other side is named Ronnie. She's a girl. She was and is like one of my best friends in the world. I was a maid of honor. And we spent so much time together and we were like five years younger than like the middle. So -hmm. they kind of just kind of shoved us to the side and always made us hang out. And we didn't mind. But I thought, okay, what if Ronnie was not, what if we weren't best friends? What if we hated each other and we were forced to, you know, hang out all the time? And so that's where I kind of just reimagined the Shores and the Solons into the Blums and the Starks. And I put Jude in there as like the faux Ronnie and (laughs) they hated each other. Although I don't think they really hated each other. They, I think that Molly resented how easy everything was for Jude. He -hmm. just didn't really have to work hard and just everything worked out. Everybody liked him. He's this great baseball player. And he thought that she was really just uptight. And so, and he knew how to push her buttons and she hated that. He knew how to push her buttons. So. (laughs) that's where that all came from.
1: It's how the There's, best romances go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> There's always that one person that
0: knows just how to get under your skin. Um, and it usually is somebody that you've known for a long time because they just know all of your little, your little quirks.
2: Yeah. All nice your weaknesses and insecurities.
0: Yeah. So fun. I um, actually, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go
1: ahead. No, I'm you just going to, you know. a little aside. So my husband, we've, just celebrated our like 14th wedding anniversary this week. Wow. And um he's an Aries and I'm a cancer. And if you know like the signs, it's kind of hilarious because I'm like super sensitive and he loves to like his love language is like what's the mm-hmm. word? What do we just say? Pushing buttons. <laughs> yeah. Pushing... I know. Well, I Hoping. thought that was gonna be another one of my innuendos. <laughs> so I didn't say <laughs> Um, No, like pushing buttons, and it it like makes him laugh so much. And I'm finally in our relationship. I'm like, oh, you like doing this, and so then I'm like, okay, go for all you want. (laughs) And I just I laugh with it too now, but it's it's so funny.
0: Yeah,
2: (laughs) I do think it's a love language of sorts. It is a love language. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so I was going to say there are tons of uh, Beatles references in this book. Um, so, did you like set about to do that intentionally, or did that just kind of like come to you with these two characters?
2: I think when I realized I knew I wanted to name the character Molly, and I know that there's a song <laughs> that I love, "Oh blood's, Oh da uh, that says you know Molly's a singer in a band. Yes. Um, and so I was like, okay, so I could do something, and I always like playing with names in my books I just like them to have like fun jokes that I could use later on and so I figured Jude like hey Jude and so like that so I just put it all together I figured okay if they're both if both of their names are in a Beatles song and their parents are like 60 you know like which was like prime I think ish like Beatles time they would know all the songs and they could use them to like make fun of each other it all you know just came together that way I
0: love that. It was super fun as you were reading. And I think, God, this makes me sound so old, but I feel like the Beatles just sort of like transcend age groups, Mm -hmm. you know, like everybody knows them and has heard them. Um, So it was really fun to just kind of like find all those little easter eggs throughout
2: i think so too but i was afraid honestly of people saying they're too young they wouldn't like the beatles so i like put in like that one line our parents used to play them at all of our parties just yeah. in case there was somebody who was gonna there probably <laughs> are i haven't looked at my reviews so there probably are people would be like you know what 27 year olds are talking about the beatles all the time
0: all, <laughs> all of them they're fine you're first fine. of all
1: good for you don't look at the reviews second of all um, who were we just speaking with? So we're, I'm at the point with a podcast where I can't remember if I have had conversations in real life or on the podcast. <laughs> we did this- have this
0: conversation. I think it was Rebecca. We're, but uh, I, that could be wrong.
1: No, I think it was Rebecca. And we were saying how um, kids nowadays or young people, young adults, have um, like so much access to music. Like, more than we ever had on just our CDs or the radio. So, like, yes, the I Beatles.
2: Tapes. Yeah, the tapes. I, I, had I had tapes as well.
1: Tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I had mixtapes, absolutely. And um, and then it was burnt CDs. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, nowadays, younger people have access to all genres anytime, anywhere. Yeah. They're not limited by the medium, you know? So, yeah, That's absolutely true. 27-year-olds would love the Beatles. Good, fully totally makes sense. I, love and, that. Um, I wanted to ask, so I know you're going to Steamy Lit. hmm Yay! And I saw that you are on an amazing panel um, representing mental health in this novel. Am I wrong?
2: No, I'm in the Diversity and Romance novel. Okay. Because of the Jewish rep,
1: I'm guessing. Oh, yay! Okay, I'm sorry. I've misread it then. But do you want to speak to that at all?
2: Well... I did want the character. I'm Jewish and I'm reformed Jewish. And I just, when I was growing up, I never really saw Jewish characters in books unless it was like, Jennifer Weiner was great about that, but they weren't romance. You know, they were chick which I'm sure she would hate me if I called them that. She hates that term.
1: <laughs> we blame it on the industry, not you. It's not our fault. <laughs> it's not our
2: fault. <laughs> and like Judy Bloom, yeah. Like there was just very little. And then, there, and then there's a lot of uh, Jewish rap where the characters are orthodox, which is great but I'm not. And I think there's a lot of characters, there's a lot of people out there who love romance that don't see themselves in books. And I wanted to represent like the people like me who are Jewish, but it's not part of our, it's not like a huge part of our lives. I mean, I read so many books and it's just kind of like a given that the character is Christian, Mm -hmm. but you never, but it's never a thing where people are like, how come they don't go to church? How come we don't see them giving something up for Lent? You know, so why can a character also just happen to be Jewish and like, and like most of the people in the world, not all of them, but looking for love? Because I feel like romance is something that transcends religion. You know, m- you know, most of the world wants that or love to somebody to love in a romantic way. So, and I think it's important not only for people to see themselves in books for mental health, for religion, for race, for everything, but also to read about people who are completely different from them just to understand that we're all human beings, you know? And so I guess in a nutshell, kind of a long nutshell, that's why I wanted to do that, to include Jewish rep, my kind of Jewish rap in the book.
1: Oh, thank you for sharing. That was so beautiful. And I absolutely agree with you. I think, um, actually, we spoke to this a bit um, during our summer book festival this past weekend.
2: But just oh, that... The- I wish- I wanted to be there so badly. It looks so fun. So oh, congratulations for putting next, together
0: such a great event. Thank, thank you. you. Oh we gotta God. come to the East Coast because yeah. we've been getting lots of requests for that. And so I'm like, oh, yes. all right, we'll have to make that we happen.
1: Volunteer, yes, please. We would love it. Um, but we were speaking how one of the biggest powers of romance is that it is such um, just a very accessible vehicle for empathy. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know how else to say that, but just when you're invested in these stories and seeing different perspectives, no matter where you're coming from, Mm -hmm. um, it's just like really it gets into your heart and it teaches people who may not have access to a different
2: perspective,
1: um, you know, what that's like.
2: I absolutely agree with you. And I love that There's so much more of it now yes. than there was, yeah. you know, like even five years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. And I hope that there continues to be even more. Yeah. Well, I feel like you. I have
0: learned more about other cultures, other religions, other, you know, either just like places people live, like from reading romance than I have uh-huh. in like any college class I ever took any, you know, like any other real life experience, like it's just, it just is like such a great way to just open yourself up to the thousands and millions of other people out there who are not Mm -hmm. like you. And like, how fun and amazing is that to get to just like, live these thousands of lives through
2: a book? Like, that's incredible. Like, and like 350 pages of it. So, yeah. and so, you really see the characters from like the beginning of their journey, at least in the book, to the end. And you get to experience all their ups and downs and their growth and acceptance sometimes, because mm. a lot of times they're struggling with things that they can't change. How, you know, what's the best way to deal with it if you can't change it? Mm. So,
1: wow.
0: It's incredible.
1: Thank you for sharing your stories with us.
0: Yeah.
1: You're welcome.
0: I. <laughs> we've been joking a lot lately that we say I love that on the podcast like all the time like just over and over again and I'm like now so aware of it that I'm like trying not to say it all the time but I really do I'm
2: like I love that and I love this have you guys watched glamorous it's a show on Netflix no but now that song is in my head well there's a character who I watched an episode and this character just kept saying not this and it was just throughout the whole thing everything happened it was just not this and it it just became like the thing of the episode so I love this just reminded me of not this okay
0: I'm gonna adopt that I like that one too
1: I guess it would be a good like if you drink alcohol like a good drinking game drinking game for our our podcast
0: yeah (laughs) I just always imagine people listening to it in the morning because that's when it re- is released, and so I'm like, "Yeah, get your drinking game on at 11 a.m. Coffee,
2: yeah. <laughs> Take a sip of Sunday your coffee. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday. I, mean, I can't do it today if I go back to work like with you know, drunk. Um, <laughs> that would not be a good look, and I don't make enough money on my books to quit the day job. So, <laughs> stimulate. <Steamy
0: So, lit. laughs> yeah, we love all that. All oh, right, funny. well. Um, so I know that we have touched a little bit on this on the podcast before, but it's like one of my favorite things to talk about because everybody just has like such strong opinions and everybody has different opinions about this whole debate about what makes a rom-com and, you know, if something a rom-com versus a contemporary romance, uh rom-com like versus women's fiction, like, so I'm interested to know, like, what is your definition like how do you separate the two of those rom-com versus contemporary
2: well it's definitely not because of the illustrated covers anymore like (laughs) i just you know i don't assume that and and i try to tell people haven't you like read the room like it's been like this for years now don't assume looking at um an illustrated cover that it's going to like be like fun you know really funny or that it's not going to have sex i mean that one is ridiculous to me um but for me i think that so the premise, if the underlying like premise is humorous, to me, like that makes it more of a romantic comedy than a contemporary romance that, that happens to be funny. Like for instance, I don't, like I Lynn Painter, I consider her books romantic comedy. You know, like she there's a text message in Mr. Wrong Number where she starts texting and not realizing that it's her brother's best friend. And I mean, that's just funny. Yeah. Or the Bromance Book Club. You know, you have a bunch of guys just, like, talking about romance books. Your books I consider rom-coms.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, I love exactly how you put that. Because for me, I've always said, like, there are authors who are funny. Like, their voice is funny. like But there has to be something inherently comedic about the plot for it to really be a rom-com. And you can, I mean, I know we... Can think about it a little bit differently with movies versus books, but I do think that that is sort of like the key that kind of binds them together. It's like, if you look at like the classic rom-coms movies, a lot of them have that like really funny, weird, there's a a mix-up or a misunderstanding of some kind that inherently makes the plot itself funny. And that I think is what kind of sets those two apart. There's a lot of contemporary romance that just happens to be funny, but that doesn't necessarily make it a romantic comedy.
2: And then between books, some people have different opinions. I mean, I, okay, so I told you I don't read my reviews, but if I'm tagged in them, 95% of the time they're good. And then I get ones that are like, this is really great, but, you know, so... (laughs) I won't go into that. But <laughs> I was stop reading. Two. That's what I do. And <laughs> I tend- don't comment. <laughs> <laughs> I said like it. One of them said something about how whenever she hears it's called a romantic comedy, she kind of ignores that because she's read enough lately to know that, you know, they might be marketed as romantic comedy, but they're not funny. And she said that mine was hilarious. And, she, and I was like, yay. And she, she like laughed so many times. I think the next day I got tagged in another one where she really liked the book, but she said, this is not a romantic comedy, but it's romance, but it's not funny. So I'm like, <laughs> okay, same book, same humor. Like the words have not changed from one person to the next. And they both liked the book, but they both categorized it differently. Yeah, So I, I, I think there are some books that straddle the line. And oh then there yeah, are some for sure. Really? romantic comedies and some that are clearly not yeah and humor is so subjective Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah so it's like that to me is why you have to kind of make that distinction i think that i have come to live by is with the plot because there is no way that every single person on the planet is going to find the same book hilarious. Like that just doesn't happen. Even if it is the funniest book ever, everybody has a different sense of humor and things are funny to some people that aren't funny to others. And that's totally fine. And that's why we have millions of books and Mm -hmm. you can go find one that you do think is funny. Um, Yeah. Because I, (laughs) I, I get those reviews too, where some people are like, I laugh so hard. And then the other people are like, I didn't think this was funny. And I'm like, oh, well, you're wrong. But
2: <laughs> exactly. I got one recently. Bad that... sense of oh, go ahead, Meredith. No, I just said they must have really bad sense of humors. <laughs> <laughs> <They> oh, <know.
1: laughs> boom. <laughs> um, that's okay. We could say it. <laughs> what I. Um... Okay, hear me out. Going with the rom-com versus contemporary romance, for any writers who are out there wondering, uh, not that I have all the answers, but I, this thought just popped in my head while you were talking. So from a craft perspective, if you're wondering, how do I make this a rom-com? It really, I feel, in my opinion, can be boiled down to like a line, I mean, a a a line for a premise of a plot, for example, in the case of heartbreak, even though it's filled with lots of trauma and some sad boys, (laughs) it is a rom-com because yes, it has humor and yes, it has a happy ending, which are both of the things that you need in a romance. Um, Well, maybe not humor in a romance, but in a rom-com, but the premise is Ben's grandma, puts him in a guest cottage with his unrequited crush. So that alone is the calm. That is the rom-com because that is the entire premise that can be boiled down to a specific uh, idea. So, and also another idea I had, another thought I had, as you were brilliantly speaking, um, is that a lot of these comedic ideas are surprises, so like the text messages mm-hmm. in Lynn Painter's novel- novels, that's a su- that was a surprise. Um, Meredith with yours, it's a surprise, the doppelgangers, you know, and Fallon with just my type, the surprise is being paired up to work with your, you know, ex-lover slash rival. Mm-hmm. So like all of these things are surprises. So anyway, I hope that kind of helps boil it down to a craft perspective. If you're out there kind of wondering, how do I shift my outline or shift my pitch uh to include to be a rom-com i don't know yeah yeah good advice M- yeah. maybe 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 not <laughs>
2: and it's okay and honestly it's okay if it's not <laughs> yeah contemporary yeah. romances that, ha- that are just humorous are fantastic totally you know? yeah so yes it's still your book. If it doesn't end up being you know, categorized the way you want it to, it's still the same book. Oof, and if yeah. you love it, people will love it. People will laugh. Yes. And
0: I think that that is maybe the reason why we're having such an issue with this debate right now is because publishing has latched on to rom-com because they've been selling so well throughout the pandemic and beyond. And so (laughs) they pitch things as a rom-com that are not a rom-com. And when you set readers up with this expectation that it's going to be this thing and then it's not that thing, then that's when readers get annoyed and they get Mm -hmm. upset. And then that's when you start to hear people being complaining about things because, and the complaints are totally justified because Mm -hmm. if you go into something thinking it's a rom-com and then all of a sudden somebody has got cancer and is dying, like I'm going to be upset about that that because Mm -hmm. that's not what I signed up for. And that might be a totally beautiful, wonderful book that I would love in another circumstance. But Mm -hmm. if I'm going into it expecting one thing and that's what I get instead, then you've made me an unhappy reader. Mm
2: -hmm. And Mm -hmm. as an author that's happened to me as a reader. Yeah, where I've gone into something that I would have loved had I prepared myself mentally for it to be what it was. But I thought it was going to be a light, funny read with, you know, with substance, of course. Most of them have that, but not quite not like the cancer thing, which to me, I I either don't read it or I have to be warned.
1: Yeah, it's there. And not to say and because I know neither of you are saying that romantic comedies can't have serious topics. But I think we all agree that your main plot line, like that main thread running through the story, you've always got to come back to that original idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then how that then answers the main question of how are these two people going to end up together? Yeah. As opposed to focusing on the trauma as the storyline.
2: Right. Very well said.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay.
2: Love
1: that. that was amazing. Right. I'm totally
0: yes. nerding out. I love craft talk. <laughs> it's so funny because Courtney's like, "I love craft talk," and I'm like, "What is craft?" I just sit down and pound out words.
2: You, you <laughs> yeah, liar, way. liar. Somebody asked me a question about like how do I use tropes to move the story forward, and I was like, <laughs> I just write them and I hope it moves the story forward. I don't know. Like, I don't think about it in advance.
0: I'm the same way. We had, like, a great conversation, I think, with Sarah Adler about, like, POV and, like, which perspective you write from. And I was like, I don't know. I just sit down and start writing. Like, I don't really think about it beforehand. But Mm -hmm. Courtney and Sarah, like, had this deep conversation about, like, you know, which perspective is going to be the best for the story. And I'm like, wow, guys, you're way smarter than I am. You
1: do it. (laughs) You do it innately. You don't even have to think about it.
0: You're just smarter than me. No, I'm not. Just accept it. You're
1: innately smarter
0: than me, so whatever.
1: <laughs> I have to think about it because I'm dumb.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely not. All right, I just had like a terrible segue in my head and I apologize in <laughs> advance. But speaking of things that are kind of dumb, um, I want to talk about that <laughs> and just like that. <laughs> oh, because I know, Meredith, you said you have some mixed emotions about the show and i will be upfront in that i watched the entire first season i've only watched the first two episodes of the second season so i have been struggling a little bit but i would like to hear your thoughts on and just like that
2: i have (laughs) never watched
1: the show so i'm very excited to hear everything okay
2: i mean there's a lot of things to like about it but there's a lot of things that I just, first of all, I love Sex in the City. I didn't watch it in the first Same. one. I think I, you know, but I watched it like later on. Um, I think I might have been in college or something. And like I, I was too busy drinking to like watch TV, I guess. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but, I, but I loved it. And, um, but I, I understand why they want to change things. It really, like I understand where they're trying to modernize it and everything. But okay, it's starring like five, four. Well, yeah, it was three. I forgot because uh, Samantha didn't come back on. Yeah. But they're all in their 50s. Samantha would be in her 60s. Like, they're late to mid to late 50s. And I feel like they're trying to convince us, especially in the second season, that 50-something women have sex. And it's really unnecessary. And it's insulting. (sighs) It's just, it's become, like, so, and I'm not a prude, but there's just, every episode has something, like, really, like, graphic. Graphic. And, like, they're constantly talking about how old they are. And, like, I'm like, we know. Women totally are having sex in their 60s and 70s. I mean, Florence, um, Mrs. Brady, Carol Brady, before she died, she said she was having sex in her 80s. Good for her. But I feel like they're trying so hard to convince us that they're still, like, these healthy sexual women. And I I don't know. It's too much. I also really didn't like what they did to Steve. Yeah. You know, like, they turned him into an old man. Like yeah. He's probably in his late fifties. He was an adorable bartender, and in the first season, they have him like he can't hear. When I, mean, I mean, I people go deaf at all ages, but it, to me, it, to me, it was like they were saying because he's old,
1: mm, yeah. you know, trying
2: to make him into an old man, and I found that insulting. I don't know. I, I found myself just offended.
0: Well, And oh I felt like they were trying to make him seem unappealing so that we would be on Miranda's side when <gasps> she was going through this divorce. Which is even yeah, so expensive. Like, yeah, yeah. No, oh, thank it was you. Like,
1: it was disabilities just, are not unappealing.
0: Yes. And it was just so wild to me that they thought that that was going to work when they spent the entire series plus the movies like convincing us that Miranda and Steve are like meant to be together mm-hmm. and they've gone through ran- all this shit and ended up together. And then now, now I'm supposed to believe that she's just like suddenly not into him because he's I like know. getting older. You know what? Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. yeah. They
2: ran across the Brooklyn bridge for each other to I prove know. that they still wanted to be together. Yeah. And they were so good. good
0: together. So I was like, this is not going to work out how you want yeah, it Just to. It
2: wasn't believable. <laughs>
0: Yes. You, you know should I mean? have written it, I mean, I
2: was upset when Big died in the first episode. I didn't see that coming. That was one of the things I wanted to be reminded of. I didn't know that the actor was a complete douchebag at the time. You know, right. he was just Big. And so, like, when that happened, I'm like, and just like that, Big died. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. So, I'm basically, watching the second season now, because Aiden... Was coming back.
0: Oh, right, I did. So I'm like I'm
2: going through it, and I was swear to God, I thought they were going to make us wait until like the eighth episode just to make you watch the season, just so they can bring him up at the end as a cliffhanger. But I think he's on on like the fifth. Okay, he was on the last episode. He's so tall.
0: Is he single um,
2: now? Or... He's single.
0: Okay, good. And I read
2: an article that he's going to be with Carrie now, and I understand why they dragged it out because they didn't want her to like have this love of her life, and he, you know, dies tragically. And then, you know, she grieves for five minutes and she goes back to her second choice. So I feel like the pacing on that was really, really good. They have her kind they have a grieving big time. Then they have her kind of like getting back into the swing of things. You know, she had like a a one night stand and, you know, and then played with a little friends of benefits for a little while. So she's kind of like getting back out there. So now I feel like she's actually ready for another relationship. So I think that they did that really, really well. And he, he did an article where he said that he didn't actually, the actor didn't like Aiden, all the people, all the viewers, like really loved him, but he was like, I was judgy, you know, I wouldn't let her smoke. I wouldn't let her do this. It's like, and I agreed. Like I loved Aiden. I liked Aiden for me, but I actually liked big better for, for Carrie because he accepted her for everything yeah. You know, and she was a lot. Which is, I lo- I, I, A lot of people hate Carrie. They think she's so selfish. I kind of like her. I enjoy watching her.
0: Yeah. I think what has been interesting about this transition and like the time in between the shows is that. When the original was on and when it was, like, sort of at the height of its popularity, it was, like, we all were obsessed with Carrie. Like, if you did one of those tests and you were not Carrie, like, it was, like, oh, well, this is wrong. Like, if you did the test and you were, like, you're a Miranda, it was, like, fuck you, test. That's the biggest insult ever. But, like, the more distance we've had between the original show and now, we're, like, actually, like... Carrie's maybe not, like, the best. It's like, Miranda's, like, super smart and successful. And, like, that's a good thing. I want to be a Miranda. Yes. <laughs> but now Miranda we're,
2: like... Miranda became the best one. Yeah. But now we're, like, Miranda kind of sucks again. Oh, yeah, she does. She <laughs> totally sucks again. She's she's selfish. And she's... Um, yeah. She's she's gross. I just don't like that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just the way that
0: they... And I don't even... I feel like, uh, I know people have said this before, I'm not the only one, that they have, like, instead of bringing us Miranda, they're giving us Cynthia Nixon. Yes! And it's like, I don't, that's not why we like this character. Like, Cynthia Nixon is an incredible performer and love her and everything that she does. But, like, Miranda is not Cynthia and there needs to be, like, some separation there.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Someone at least gay... On this
2: one? Yes. Yeah, Miranda. That's sweet. Miranda. <laughs> sweet. I was wondering. But Miranda was never gay. Like that's a thing right. that bothers me. Like I, I, I agree that I want there to be gay characters in this that aren't just the token guys from the first season. But to take one character and change her because the actress is gay, I don't know. I felt like it was just trying too hard because it also yeah. again builds up years and years and years of her loving Steve. Mm. And suddenly she never really loves Steve.
1: Did they, you know, what too. was their story? Like, did they, did they, I am so behind on this. So is it, did they already break up before this or did they break up in this?
2: They broke up in this. On yeah.
1: So yes. I mean, the feeling the was they
2: cheated on her. Yeah. What? No. So this is in not,
1: this doesn't feel true to character. And plus you can be gay and married to a man. Like you, I mean, yeah. you know, you can be queer and married to a man and if you're a thing. woman. Like,
0: they totally could have done that. They could have done that. Was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm having feelings for this other mm-hmm. person, oh my God, and they the- could have
1: had an amazing conversation.
0: Yes, and and she could even been like, you know, I maybe want to experiment or try something or whatever. But like, to yeah. just totally like shove your whole marriage aside just made absolutely zero sense also there is an episode of sex in the city where Miranda pretends to be a lesbian to get invited to like her CEO partner dinner or whatever and she kisses the girl that she goes on the date with and is like nope absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. so like she had this moment on the show where she was like I'm definitely not queer and then all of a sudden now like 20 years later she's like oh just kidding
1: Mm I am like well, just to your point, wild. I see what you're saying because it probably felt like they just did it to check off a box, which sucks. Which is like yeah. always very evident when they're doing that, and they could have yeah. worked it in in a way that was more true, more, like more true to her character arc. I don't know. I don't
2: know. Yeah. I feel that's like,
1: how I feel. Yeah. yeah. I feel
2: like done, they could have done it in a much smoother, more realistic way.
0: Yeah totally I would have loved to see that conversation with her and Steve where her just kind of being like hey I'm having these feelings and this is a new and different thing for me and I've never felt this way before and like have that conversation with your partner that you've been with for 30 years and have a child together like have that conversation I think Steve would have been really cool with it too yeah Steve's the best and like (laughs) To your point, Fallon, they could have
1: literally gone back to that episode and been like, hey, remember when that? Well, I've been thinking about like it could have been they could have really worked it in very naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I have not seen the show. And now thank you. I won't waste my time.
2: (laughs) I mean, there are parts of it that are that are really good. The friendship that they still have. There's humor. They brought in a bunch of new characters. Most of them I like. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, Um, I do like the new people for the most part.
2: Yeah, And I think that Samantha's coming back to at least do a cameo, which I'm very happy about because I love Kim Catrell. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah. I do feel like she
0: is definitely missing... Like, you feel the absence of her character. Like, she really brought something to the original show that I don't think you can really just duplicate with a bunch of new characters as much as I love the new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely am like, oh, I miss Samantha.
2: I watched the documentary and it said that at the beginning... Whenever, like, one of the new characters would come to, like, the restaurant or the bar and meet them, they would never have all four of them sitting at the table together because it was too reminiscent of the four original women at the diner and everywhere they would go. So, like, one would show up and the other one, and one would stand up as if to leave. And it was purposeful because they did not want it to seem like they were trying to, like, recreate the four, yeah. you know, close friends. Mm. Like, that fast. Yeah. Because you can't. That, like...
0: That's just the kind of chemistry and the kind of writing that it just, it happens in a, you know, kind of a once in a lifetime thing. And like, I will still go back and watch the original. And yes, there are a lot of things that do not hold up and do not age well, (laughs) but there are also so many moments where it's just like, like, this was just magical. And Mm -hmm. it's really hard to like recapture that later on when you're missing people, especially
1: i think at the heart of that show and what its strength was is that at the core it was about the friends like the friendship Mm -hmm. group yeah yeah Yeah. and how important and like beautiful that can be in adulthood
0: yeah yes yeah and i love that i mean that is like the you know mr big says that in like the last episode like about Carrie he says to so the other girls like you're the loves of her life and a guy's just lucky to come in forth and Next. it's like you just never forget lines like that because mm-hmm. they're just so special mm-hmm. yes yeah okay now I feel better about it but only because we were talking about the original and I want to go back and watch that one instead. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll do that instead all right um we're gonna kind of totally switch topics here but one of the fun twists in Someone Just Like You is that your two main characters end up dating people who are basically like poor substitutes for the uh, ones they're really in love with and you have done some research on celeb doppelgangers and i'm like so excited for this because i love stuff like this so much so i want to hear all about this very hard research that you had to do for your book
2: (laughs) i have like a list of people and i admit i did some of this research on the internet but there was one that and i don't know this actress is not very famous as far as i know but you know rachel bilson from heart of and um and the oc yes i love her well i was watching this show called um everwood I don't know if you guys remember it. It was a CW or WB show back in like the early 2000s, I think. Um, uh, does this is with Matreese um, Williams, who just passed away.
0: Oh, Grecia. yeah. Oh, wow. Anyway,
2: I, it's, I was watching it. I, I don't know why. I just found that This is before Treat passed away, so it wasn't like in tribute. I was just watching this show. I found it on HBO. And I I think I looked at like shows to watch if you loved Heart of Dixie and Gilmore Girls and like all of these shows. So I, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've never watched Everwood. I was watching this episode, and this actress called Zora Zetner, she mm. shows up, and her name is um, – her name on the show was – Lainey Hart, which I think yes. is really funny because Rachel Bilson played Zoe Hart, mm-hmm. and the two of them look exactly alike. And so I looked that up online, and if you if you look them up, her last name is spelled like Z H E T N E R Zora, no Nora. She looks just like, I mean, total doppelganger. That's so funny, like, like more so than De- Zoe Deschanel and like Katy Perry, you know, <laughs> because people say that they look so much alike.
0: They're always the ones that come to mind when I think about that. Mm, Late Easter and
2: Minka Kelly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Margot Robbie and Jamie Presley. Oh, yeah.
0: They're like five or six people that I, before Margot Robbie did Barbie and now is like, you know, the height of popularity. The Rob, like, could not tell them apart.
1: Also, Jamie King is a close, like a trifecta.
0: Yeah, there's a couple other ones I can't remember.
1: I, and I- actually I have a funny story. And I'm not saying this to like, about my looks. But when I was younger, I used to get Jamie Presley all the time. I was just thinking. That. And when I was younger, let's be specific. So <laughs> very young, very young. Um, I remember going to a hotel and I had a hat on. And they legitimately thought I was Jamie Presley. And they kind of freaked <laughs> out. And I felt.
0: Very powerful. <laughs> you are like, I'm going to need an upgrade on my room, please.
1: You don't have me in the presidential suite. I'm sorry. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was a funny aside.
2: That's cool. I'm what so about you, cute. Fallon? Have you ever had like a doppelganger or uh... So when
0: I was younger, I used to, again, when I was younger, (laughs) I used to get Anne Hathaway. I got that one a few times and it like made my whole life. I totally see
1: it. Yeah, I see
0: it for sure. I can totally see it. I was like, thank you. That's the best compliment I've ever received. I'm just going to tuck that in my pocket and hang on to that forever.
1: (laughs) What about you, Meredith? Have you gotten any before?
2: Um, When I was much, much, much younger, (laughs) I had, and and you you might not even, like, have ever watched this show, but I used to get that I look like Punky Brewster.
0: Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I love
2: Punky Brewster. Um, Like, I don't think I look anything like Sol El Moonfry, but I do think that I looked like Punky Brewster back in the day. I can see that. I see that. I see that still.
0: Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: Oh, That's so funny. To so me. I
1: had to add one. I know before we were recording, I mentioned it, but this is something really funny if you all want to look it up. So Will Farrell and Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the drummer, look almost identical. Like they are so identical <laughs> to the point where they had an SNL drum off where Will Ferrell and Chad Smith had to, like, drum against each other. And Will Ferrell, he can sing, and he is, like, musical, so it's actually so entertaining to watch. Highly recommend. Um, also, you, do you ever get a moment where you kind of are nervous to recommend celebrities because you don't know, like, where they're at nowadays?
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, did this person turn yeah. out to be a total douchebag? <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sure. Yeah,
1: so... um <laughs> I, th- I don't know. I think they're fine. I don't know. But at least I'm speaking for the SNL skit. It's hilarious. And uh, you should go watch it.
0: <laughs>
1: I think both okay. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, I don't
2: think there's anything about Will. Well, Well, he was yeah. just in the Barbie movie. So I feel like. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, he's fine. He's incredible in that movie, by the way. He's been i have not
2: seen it i'm seeing it on august <gasps> 12th there was a specific, specific person i wanted to see it with but i'm like first of all I'm fr- i feel so left out
1: you know uh, like i yes.
2: don't okay have seen everything i cannot wait to see it i'm afraid if i dress up in pink and everything it's like so late no, so like, no. It's never oh my too god late no. Her pink.
0: no do it i am fully i have already planned my outfit for the first night of steamy LitCon when there's like an that author there's like an author welcome reception or something like that okay. and i'm like oh i'm fully wearing my pink barbie dress <laughs> are we all going as author barbie oh my god now we are have... <laughs> Should... what is author barbie ha- no author barbie would be like in sweats with like Unwashed hair for three days and like three empty Starbucks cuffs.
1: <laughs> there's this one episode there's this one moment in the movie, and I promise no spoilers. It's very early in the movie where they're kind of showing the Barbie's different roles in Barbie land. And there's an award ceremony and they're like, and the award for the Nobel Prize or the Nobel Prize goes to Barbie. And she comes on and she's like, Yes. Thank you. I earned this because I worked very hard. And I was like, that's so cute. So we oh, should all get wait. like the prop of like the Barbie Nobel Prize.
0: <laughs> the Nobel Prize for Literature. All yes. of us in Steamy Lit. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh my God. So good. Enamel well, Meredith, pins. I can't wait to hear what you think about it when we see you at Steamy Lit because I will it. let it's you know. So good.
2: I cannot wait. I didn't realize that it was so, uh, but um, yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. I had no idea that there was such like a feminist spin on it, which makes it, I thought I was afraid and I love, I played with Barbies. I had to make a pact with my friend in seventh grade that we were too old. So we had to stop now. I think Aww. we were, we were Barbie shamed by like one of like the most popular girls, like one of the mean girls. Mm. And so we made like a secret. We're not going to play anymore. And it was, it broke my heart. She probably but played I, with Barbies. Mm-hmm. That the girl probably girl. played with Barbies. Well, she probably didn't. But if she and she was so popular, she could have made it like acceptable. She didn't realize her own power. You yeah. know, like instead of saying that we couldn't, she could have made it cool. We could have played ironically or something.
1: Ooh, and that just is another point like about the patriarchy. Yeah. She
2: could have,
1: but
0: she felt pressured to not. Because why? Because patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went to see it recently because it came out when I was, uh, on vacation in Italy. And so I hadn't had a chance to see it yet. And I finally told my husband, I was like, I'm going to see this movie because I'm going to die if I don't see it. But the, there was a man probably in his like mid forties and his partner sitting female partner sitting in front of me. And at the end of the movie, they like stood up to leave. And he was just like, he was like, I didn't, I didn't get that. And I was like, (laughs) yeah.
2: It's of not for you. It, it is not love- for you. <laughs> Watch it again,
1: sir. Keep rewatching. <laughs> oh, wow. Hilarious. I also that thought that good. it was beautifully, like, inclusively feminist because um, yes. I love, yeah, they had like trans actors and I just, I was very happy to see that.
2: I'm prepared to cry.
1: Oh, I yeah, immediately, I will. was crying.
2: Yeah. And I saw yeah.
1: it again and I cried just as hard the
0: second time. <laughs> yeah, it happens frequently. Yeah. It'd be good. Go All right. <laughs> well, before we let you go, Meredith, can you please share with us what you are working on next?
2: Well, I just turned in about two weeks ago, my 2024 rom-com. <gasps> it's called Roommating right now. I don't know if it will stay that way but it's a roommate book. Oh, my God. Which I know Fallon no, is very familiar with those. Yeah. Um, and it's about a 24-year-old grad student and part-time library page who uses a multi-generational uh, roommate app to live with, like, a 70-year-old woman in the city in, like, a luxury apartment in an exchange for... Like helping around the house and the apartment, walking the dog, all of these things. And she loves the apartment that she could otherwise not afford. She loves Marsha, the woman. And then Marsha's estranged grandson moves in um, to find himself because he, ca- he can't seem to hold down a job and his parents won't, like, support him. And so he he's there to sleep on the couch, but he almost immediately threatens, or it seems at least like he's threatening not only her, like, apartment situation because who wants to sleep on the couch when there's a bedroom, but also her relationship with Marcia, which is really, really important to her. Oh my God. Uh, and spoiler alert, they fall in love. What? <laughs> oh my. Unless my editor changes that part. <laughs> so the think, only part she won't change.
0: I think that part is safe. Um, okay. I'm obsessed with the idea for that app. Is that a real thing?
2: Yes. And in fact, um, both me and the main character heard about it by watching the Today Show. I love there was that. Like a segment on the stage Show, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, book idea. Although my book idea, my initial idea was for a non-romance. It was just going to be a commercial fiction novel between, uh, you know, two generations, a Gen Z mm. and a you know, an aging Boomer, um, together. And um, Melissa, my agent, was like, "If you're submitting this to Forever, it's got to be a romance." And I was like, "Okay." And then I was like, "Grandson falling in love, got it." That's and now so now I'm, cool. I'm glad I changed it because I think that I loved writing the book. And I think that I was able to write a better book than if I would like to segue or add to my kind of writing history, commercial fiction. And I do have another idea if I ever had time to write like more than one book <laughs> a year. But I think that the romance is better than the commercial fiction would have been. Mm. That's so, so cool. I'm going to look into that
0: app. Not that I'm in any position to need any aspect of that, but that just sounds so cool. I don't
2: think it's... I kind of... Um, right now, I think it's only in Boston and, like, one other state. And I... I mean, I, it's fiction. So I included it in New York as well. Yeah. That's but that's a, so
0: genius. That's mm-hmm. so smart.
2: Thank you. Oh, my gosh. Meredith, you
0: have
1: the best ideas. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> amazing. Amazing.
2: I always have the amount of ideas that I need, not a single more. Like Mm -hmm. I know people will write on like Twitter threads, you know, like another idea and I'm working on this one and I have like seven other ideas. What am I going to do? And I'm like, I wish, like I have ideas like as soon as I need them, you know, and they're not always good or I'll come up with like a little idea and like, it's not marketable. It's just like one sentence and then what, and there's like nothing to support it. So like when I have like my option, I'll, I'll come up with a couple of ideas for that. And that's it. Like I don't have like a running list of my brain doesn't work like that.
1: A lot of the time I will get random ideas, kind of like you're saying, like lines or things here and there. And then eventually they kind of go together to form a whole package. Like, oh, this I can use here, this I can use here to form a complete
2: idea. That's a great idea. Is it? no because like I'll, I'll raise it to my agent and she'll be like so what are the stakes like what's the what is it about and i'm like oh shit well, well, i just said it's about you know. what are stakes? <laughs> it's about vibes <laughs> I, my agent isn't really into the into like books that are like just
0: vibes rude i made a pinterest <laughs> work
2: what the heck <laughs>
0: What more could you need? All right. Um, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on the internets?
2: Yes. I am mostly active on Instagram, and it's just Meredith Shore. I'm also there on threads. I'm still – I just because I'm too lazy, I have not deleted my Twitter, which X. is also Meredith Shore. X. Uh, X. <laughs> i don't know right now i just felt like a week after my book comes out is probably not the time to start deleting all of my social media that's but fair. i don't know how much longer yeah, I will be that's there. Fair. yeah
0: yeah. So, yeah i feel that deep in my bones um all right well someone just like you is out now go buy it it's adorable <laughs> meredith cannot wait to see you at see me lit and actually see you in person it's gonna be so oh. amazing
2: i'm so excited thank you so much for having me this is like i feel like i've been invited to like the cool girls table what <laughs> gonna, like, oh. you, guys. <laughs> you can sit with us anytime
0: yes are you kidding me please, please, please
1: this is the also, awkward I've
0: never in my life been called the cool girl so know,
1: this is the awkward people's table <laughs> <laughs>
0: and we love everyone thank you Meredith for joining us and listeners we will talk to you next week Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at underscore k k a e on all social media platforms and you can find me fallon ballard at fallon ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media if you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to zachary kibbe and matt ballard for our amazing theme song thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time